Well, hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women in history. I'm Sarah Gorski. I'm Chloe Skye. And I'm Jupiter F. Stone. I am still here. Jupiter's still here. If you haven't listened in a few weeks, Jupiter is our special guest in place of Sam, who has a brand new baby. And we are loud and proud and celebrating Black History Month, of course, like hopefully all of you are. And I am super pumped to bring you this Black Broad. You guys, we're going to finally do it. We're going to finally talk about Coretta Scott King. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Coretta Scott King, who is widely known as Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife, but she has her own badass broad history, and we're going to talk about her today. Before I get started, though, I want to shout out to Mrs. Scherer's class. One of my friends from college, actually, sent me a broad request from her class that we do Coretta Scott King, and I said, heck yes, because Coretta's amazing and in fact i didn't even know how amazing credit was until i did this research and i have to thank you for your referral because she is just amazing so what do you so let's start with like really quick survey says what do you know about Coretta scott king i know that she was married to martin luther king jr and i didn't even fucking know that <laughs> maybe audience you're coming from the same place i certainly was except that I feel like in the last, well, we just celebrated, we're recording this podcast just like a week after Martin Luther King Day. So I had seen a bunch of posts, including some from her daughter, that were like, nobody forget how awesome my mom was too, even though my dad gets a lot of credit. And I was like, oh, can't wait to do more research. (laughs) So he beats the fire. Yeah. Okay, we'll jump in. Coretta Scott was born April 27th, 1927 in Marion, Alabama. Uh, When she was a teen... Her house and her father's sawmill were burned to the ground due to racism, of course. Oh. Why else would anyone burn a friggin' company to the ground? Right. So she was super familiar with, like, early on from a very early age, all the racism, all the social injustice, front, it's on her front steps. She graduated valedictorian of her high school and then went to Antioch College. And while she was at Antioch College, she started to get involved with the NAACP, the Race Relations and Civil Liberties Committees, and a whole bunch of other, like, college groups um, specifically peace activities um, that were going on. And she was a brilliant singer. She was a musician. So she was pursuing a career as a singer. She was so good, in fact, that she earned a scholarship to the New England Conservatory of Music, where she got her bachelor degree in, uh, in music. Wow. wow. So she's in Boston, rocking out her music life. And she, of course, is introduced to a young a young minister <laughs> Martin Ooh. Luther King Jr who was at the time working on his doctorate at Boston University I just want to say from the get go here I'm not going to talk very much about Martin because I feel like that's what every article does they're like oh yeah right. and Martin also had a wife and Martin 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 and uh, you know, we love Martin, although we, you know, have a lot of specific feelings around him based on some of our other broads experiences working with him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I really don't want to go too much into like his work. And I, I'm, I'm going to talk more specifically about the stuff that Coretta was heavily involved in. So if I'm skipping something you feel like is important, there's a reason I'm skipping it. It's to try to focus more on Coretta and not on her husband, because this girl needs some cred. Um, Snaps. So from the get-go, Coretta was, like, she 
<laughs> she wasn't even sure she liked Martin at first. Like, she wasn't, like, she wasn't out to get her MRS, guys. She went to school. She was looking forward to, like, a, a big music career. And then somebody connected them. And they, and there was one article I saw that was, like, Martin was given several options of someone to ask out on a date. And Coretta was the only one who interested him. <laughs> Okay. And it was said while they were recording that she even sent him a copy of Edward Bellamy's Looking Backward, which is a socialist utopian novel. And she included a note that said, I shall be interested to know your reactions to Bellamy's predictions about our future. <laughs> so, like, from the get-go, yes! from the get-go they have this, like, smart repertoire, right? Mm-hmm. And that she, like, knows her shit, and she is... You know, she's and not. I'm not a... going to take you seriously if you don't <laughs> at least consider these ideas. Right. Yeah. Non-negotiables. And, and also, like, not like just a girl who's there on a date, like, you know, to get a husband. She's like, no, let's have some intelligent discussions about all this stuff, and let's really like from the get-go. That was like their relationship always had that flavor to it. I love it. Um, and they end up getting married in 1953, June 1953. But Coretta insisted that the word obey be removed from their wedding vows. Damn yes, straight. let's give that a snap. No, she's not going to obey. They're a, a couple. Equality. Equality. Right. <laughs> That's what they're both fighting for. Right. I mean, <laughs> practice what you preach, y'all. Yeah. That is right. So in September 1954, Martin gets his first job as a pastor in Montgomery, Alabama, and they move there. And in December of 1955, so like about a year, a little over a year later, the Montgomery bus boycott begins. Uh, And Martin quickly emerged as kind of the leader and main spokesman for the Montgomery bus boycott, which is kind of like, that's like kind of the event that launched Martin Luther King Jr.'s star into you know civil liberty civil social justice that was kind of like the big launch event for him even though lots of people were involved in it that was also like rosa parks there was all this you know so many people involved but that really was kind of where he started to take the spotlight and run with it but we're not gonna i'm not gonna talk in depth about the montgomery bus boycott if you don't know if that's the first time you've heard of it you should be looking it up um listeners but uh i'm not gonna go into depth about it because i want to focus on coretta so three weeks before the boycott starts, Coretta gives birth to a sweet baby girl named Yolanda. And then 10 weeks later, seven, which is seven weeks into the boycott, the boycott lasted like a whole year. So seven weeks in, Coretta and Yolanda are at home when a bomb goes off in their house. Oh, my God. They were able to escape and they were uninjured, but it was fucking terrifying. That Like so much hate was already being drawn up around the boycott. Somebody threw a bomb into their house. Um, There was a quote from her, from Coretta, saying, quote, This was a very trying time when everyone seemed frightened. I realized how important it was for me to stand with Martin. And the next morning at breakfast, he said, Coretta, you have been a real soldier. You were the only one who stood with me. Wow. Both Martin and Coretta's fathers travel to, after the bomb, they're both their dads come to Montgomery and they're like, please leave town. Please stop this boycott. Please stop being involved. This is so dangerous. You have to stop. You have to leave. And Coretta was like, fuck no, we are staying. The boycott lasted a whole year and their house received a ton of like hate filled phone calls. Right. But Coretta and Coretta's the one at home with the baby and she's the one answering the phone because Martin's like out doing his shit. But this fierce broad starts, like, messing with the callers. And so apparently she, like, answer the phone and say, 
Quote, my husband is asleep. He told me to write the name and number of anyone who called to threaten his life so that he could return the call and receive the threat in the morning when he wakes up and is fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I love it. So, in the face of this hate, in the face of this danger, Coretta's just like, fuck y'all. Like, she couldn't say fuck y'all, but, like, she was saying fuck y'all. And Martin Starr kind of kept rising higher and higher, and he gets a ton of credit in the in the civil rights history book, but Coretta was absolutely working and working at his side. And Coretta was a huge global peace advocate, like more so than Martin was. And she is actually kind of like in the articles I read, she actually is attributed credit for moving Martin's like political beliefs more towards like nonviolence and peace. Which I love, and I feel like nobody ever says that. Everyone's just like, Martin was nonviolent. It's like, yeah, because his wife fucking told him that's how it had to be, and he listened, you know. So uh, in 1957, uh, so she's, she's active too. Martin is active, but she's active too. In 1957, she's, she helps to found the Committee for a Sane Nuclear Policy. In 1958, she speaks on behalf of Martin at the Youth March for Integrated Schools. Um, In 1959, her and Martin go to India for five weeks to learn more about Gandhi's work. And they met with India's prime minister and all these local leaders and activists to kind of like learn how, you know, because Gandhi did the the whole, um, gosh, what do you, I can't think of the word of it, where they wouldn't eat, right? Their their form of protest was like not eating. Hunger strike. Hunger strike. There you go. (laughs) Why couldn't I think of that word? Wow. Wow. (laughs) Um, and then in 1962, she was a delegate for the Women's Strike for Peace at a 17-nation disarmament conference in Geneva, Switzerland. She joins the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. Um, and she started to get really loud on peace issues, especially as the Vietnam War was escalating in the 1960s. But Martin, like, would not touch the Vietnam, like, for a long time, Martin would not speak against the Vietnam War because apparently he got like a lot of blowback early in his career for criticizing like the military. And he did not want to get back involved with that because of the blowback Mm. he had previously experienced. But Coretta was like, fuck no, 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 no Vietnam War. Wow. That's like huge to go and not go against your husband, but to in spite of his belief to be like, okay, I'm not going to force you to say what you don't want to say, but you're not going to force me to not say what I believe in. I'm going to keep speaking out. Like, people knew that. People must have, like, people must have at the time known, like, if you go and look into it. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't really getting the press. Like, he was really getting the press at the time period. But, like, the articles, like, after his death and stuff, it's it's just so clear that she was such a heavy influence in kind of pulling her towards that. Because eventually he does... Spoiler alert, he does speak out about the Vietnam War eventually, but she was from the get-go. She was like, fuck no, we cannot get involved in Vietnam. So it it has to be said, (laughs) because as with all broads, um, I feel like all of our broads face this bullshit. It's like widely known that Martin, despite being this kind of hero of, of civil justice, he and and having a profound respect for his wife, he still believed that she should be home raising their kids. And it was like a matter of contention for them, I think, throughout their marriage. And she was like, more or less, she was kind of forced to end her music career. Like she she had been kind of pursuing that. And she like once Martin Starr started to rise, she like had to kind of cut that off. So she really only she did some benefit concerts for the civil rights movement. But she kind of her career was kind of stopped Um, because of all that which fucking sucks there's a quote from her 
though, that said, uh, quote, I once told Martin that although I loved being his wife and a mother, if that was all I did, I would have gone crazy. I felt a calling on my life from an early age. I knew I had something to contribute to the world. So despite her frustrations of not being able to pursue her own career, she really continued to push Martin and the whole movement towards these more global peace initiatives. He, um, Martin didn't want to speak out against, like I said, the Vietnam War, um, but Coretta wasn't deterred. In 1965, two years before Martin's famous speech against the war, the Vietnam War. So he did, he does do like, so in 67, he does this big speech at Riverside Church against the Vietnam War, which is the first time he ever does it. But two years prior, Coretta addresses an anti-war rally at uh, Madison Square Garden. And she was the only woman. The only woman speaker at that shit. Um, in late 65, uh, Martin had to back out of an address at, in, a, in a D.C. rally. But Coretta cuts her commitment to speak. And after her speech, a reporter goes to Martin and is like, hey, did you educate your wife on these issues? She was pretty good. And he replies, quote, she educated me. Hey. hey. Like a credit little credit. Where it's due. Like a little, a little credit for Martin. We'll do a little. Right. Mm-hmm. A, a broad, a, a broad, <laughs> a, Monica, a broad modicum of credit. <laughs> um, so Coretta kept pushing Martin to take a stronger public stand against the war. And finally, in 67, he does his big public declaration against the Vietnam War at Riverside Church. And in the speech, he calls out federal resources being diverted from the war on poverty to the war in Vietnam. And he especially notes that black soldiers are being drafted and called to fight a war thousands of miles away when their rights were not guaranteed at home. That speech specifically got the FBI fucking pissed. And a lot oh, of people. Of I mean, let's not be it's, it's So the FBI, yeah. though, at that point, like, they already were surveilling them, but they, like, really step up their surveillance because they are afraid of having the Vietnam, the, the anti-war effort combined with the civil rights movement. Because they're like, oh, wow, that would be a lot of angry people all at once <laughs> combined with the same cause. Mm-hmm. So, so they start to surveil them even more. And even after Martin dies, they surveil Coretta for like years after his death because they're, they're so afraid of the anti-Vietnam movement joining with the civil rights movement. Interesting. The FBI has a very mm-hmm. racist and shady history. Very. Yeah, I mean, we haven't. I feel like none of our. We haven't really touched on that in many episodes yet. But well, we did a little bit with Lucy Parsons, didn't we? There was some bullshit with that too. I think so, and I think we might have mentioned it in the Ella Jo Baker episode, mm, just because yeah, we because this is the same time period, Martin yeah. Because Ella Jo and Martin, remember, we don't. They didn't see eye to eye very well. Um, because Ella did not believe in the deification of of leaders in the movement. Ugh, I love Ella Jo Baker. Mm-hmm. I'm still not over her. Specifically men. Ella Jo. Yeah. So, uh, not to gloss over one of the more important moments of American history, but Martin is assassinated, which, you know, following, like, this was after the assassination of Malcolm X, and all the, there were all these assassinations that happened, and so it really actually wasn't a total shock that Martin was assassinated, but it was still fucking horrific. Right. And it's still unclear if the FBI ordered those assassinations or if they just knew about them and didn't do anything to stop them. But either way... I haven't been down that rabbit hole like you have. Hi, this is Chloe interjecting with uh, a little added information about Coretta Scott King and the assassination of Martin Luther King. In 1999... 
Coretta Scott King brought forward a civil suit uh, alleging that someone named Lloyd Jowers had participated in a conspiracy that involved the United States government, uh, the Memphis City Police Force, and the mafia that teamed together to not only assassinate Martin Luther King, but to frame James Earl Ray, who was eventually found guilty. And the results of this trial that Coretta Scott King brought forward, the jury decided King was assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. They found this Jowers guy totally responsible and also found that governmental agencies were among the conspirators. The King family was then granted the $100, which is the only thing they requested as damages. They just wanted it out in public. They wanted, she specifically wanted it to be known Martin Luther King was killed by the government. And I I thought, uh, yeah, that was a little extra added information that not only solidifies Coretta Scott King's belief in the movement, but also the belief that the United States government did not want the movement to happen. Yeah, they, uh, they, like, the FBI's, like, mission was to discredit and destroy any black leader for literally any reason. Like, The reason we even know Martin Luther King had affairs, and which is why I even yeah. I don't even like mentioning it, is because the FBI was surveilling him and released the tapes because they didn't want. Well, actually, to I'm not him. even. You know, when I wasn't going to talk about it, it's not in my notes. But literally, the FBI sent the tapes to Coretta. They sent yeah, her tapes, and they're like, "Your husband's a cheater," because they were trying to like destabilize the movement. Anyway, because I feel like that's much more about like. They're interpersonal. I, I want to talk more about her amazing work because she's still got more to go. But it's kind of fucking crazy. I mean, I think that's kind of important to note, like that, because I mean, even when you're saying like, like, yeah, obviously, but she gave her sort of like lifeline to him and continue to do what she did in spite of this. So that like, it definitely does. Her. Like, it definitely does. But you know what? She didn't like to her credit, though. She, you know, she held she held strong. And then, well, and then at that point, he's assassinated. So it's it's. You know, we don't necessarily see like a huge aftermath play out because Martin is taken out. But so he was so Martin at the time he was assassinated, he was at a in Memphis for the uh, sanitation workers strike. And um, four days after the assassination, there was there was supposed to be a march that Martin was going to lead. And Coretta stepped up and she led it instead. And she said afterwards, quote, I gave a speech from the heart and some people saw me for the first time. Wow. Um. And she continued, like, she she basically kept up in the movement. She's quoted saying, quote, the day that Negro people and others in bondage are truly free, on the day want is abolished, on the day wars are no more, on that day, I know my husband will rest in a long-deserved peace. And that was kind of like the flag she flew, like, after his death. She's like, we're not going to rest until, until we get that equality. It's no secret at all that... The reason that there is a Martin Luther King Day holiday is because of Coretta. She sought to make his birthday a national holiday and took a really long time. It wasn't signed into legislation until 1983 when Reagan signed it in. So that was a long time. That was like 20 years after his death. Finally, he got like the recognition, the holiday recognition. It kind of bugs me that the, like that bugs me that they that Reagan is the one who did it because. He was just using it as like a front to cover up the fact that he was passing anti-black policies out of his ass yeah. every day. Like no joke, he was like the fucking <sighs> fucking trickle down economics is like, like oh yeah. my god, oh, it's, it's the, the worst. worst. 
That's <laughs> the worst. But he gets he but he gets credit for it. No. Boo. So so she advocated for MLK Day. She got that done. But that but her work was not. Um, I think that like she gets like the most credit for that. But actually, the stuff I'm about to list off is shit that's like way more important in the movement. So people like were like, oh, well, she she was Martin's wife. But then she did all this other stuff. She very specifically linked the struggle for economic justice to the need for a real safety net for four pam- fa- poor families. So she was like a, a big welfare advocate. She's like, we got to get welfare. We got to help poor people that, that cannot climb out of poverty. She launched the Southern Caravan of the, the Poor People's Campaign. Um, she, she launched, she did the launch swinging, singing this song, Sweet Little Jesus Boy. And she declared her own dream, quote, where not some, but all of God's children have food, where not some, but all of God's children have decent housing, where not some, but all of God's children have a guaranteed annual income in keeping with the principles of liberty and grace. So there's like kind of an extension from Martin's first idea, but she really pushed it. Like Martin never advocated for welfare. He like at, that was never one of his um, fighting points. And she took it there. She was like, mm-hmm. no, this is important. And she also um, saw unemployment as a crucial issue in the problem. And she said, quote, if we solve the unemployment problem, most of the social problems we have could be solved. In fact, most of the social problems stem from unemployment. And she believed that guaranteeing people jobs was a way to link the needs of black and white workers. But so often, because people were jobless, they were like fighting over the scraps of the shitty jobs that were left. Which just exacerbates racism the racism specifically in the poor classes because it makes them like fight over what little is left she also was a huge advocate against the stereotyping of black women people were like black women are lazy and loud and bossy and she was like no they aren't kicking these kicking kicking down the black women who are merely advocating for themselves and their families was just a distraction from the real issue of the systematic and structural causes of black poverty. So she kind of like, that was like kind of, I, I feel like that's like a, real a real thought, thought leader, leader. And like the first mention I've seen in the broads research we've done of intersectionality. So she's like race and gender and she's identifying the black woman at the bottom of the pyramid who's just being shit on by everybody, especially the poor black woman. So she and she really spoke out against that. And she really was kind of the first person to be such an advocate for it that, that I've done in my research. So um, audience, if you have other broads who've done that work too around that time period, please let me know because holy shit, is that work important? Um, I also am about to do a broad who sort of introduced the concept of intersectionality. Oh, I can't wait. So. Oh, my God. I love talking about intersectional- intersectionality. <laughs> um, I love it. It's like the most important thing I didn't know about till like a couple of years ago. And now I'm like, wow, I should have known about this my whole life. So Coretta also, uh, she also really strongly connected poverty and policy neglect to so- systematic social violence. So at one of the rallies... Uh, that she spoke at, she said, quote, neglecting school children is violence. Punishing a mother and her family is violence. Ignoring medical needs is violence. Contempt for poverty is violence. Even the lack of willpower to help humanity is a sick and sinister form of violence. You know, I think I've seen that Ooh. quote, but I don't think it was It was fucking Coretta. It was Coretta Scott King. Damn. Wow, she needs, she needs way more credit. Way more credit. Oh. 
She was one of the biggest reasons that um, the black political convention happened in 1972 in Gary, Indiana. She was like one of the big people pushing for that to happen. Like she never stopped. So in the 1980s, she also started fighting for the anti-apartheid movement. She was arrested in 1984 outside the South African embassy. She traveled to South Africa. Whoa. And she personally met with President Reagan to urge U.S. disvestment with with apartheid. She also spoke out against the second Iraq war. She was like this like huge global. She was always advocating for international peace, global peace. And in the late 1990s, she started fighting for gay rights and same-sex marriage. Um, Go Coretta. Fuck, yeah, there's a quote from her that says, quote, Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I appeal to everyone who believes in Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream to make room at the table of brotherhood and sisterhood for lesbian and gay people. And she didn't, like, her family and the other civil rights activists, like, at the time, did not want her to do that. They were like, don't talk about, Mm -hmm. don't advocate for gay rights, don't advocate. And she was like, what? That's a part of Martin's dream. Like, let's not omit them. She spoke out about uh, about AIDS. She rallied against the constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage. Why she hasn't got, why her name wasn't in the forefront of my mind of the civil rights movement, I have no fucking idea. I'm reading all her accomplishments and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, she ought to be in front. Her name should be right in there. What she is- should have a holiday. She should have a holiday. She should have a fucking holiday. Um, she also, I think, like, the thing that I find so important, too, in all of these discussions we have about civil rights, especially in the post-Black Lives Matter kind of March era, is that even that she really spoke out against the erasure of black women in the fight for civil rights. So even when she was still alive, she struggled with being marginalized. The SCLC, the, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which is, you know, they organized the March on Selma, all that that Martin was involved with. She felt totally marginalized because she was a, quote, strong woman, not one to be pushed aside. Um, and then uh, there's a, one of the biographers of her, Barbara Reynolds. She wrote that after Martin's assassination, quote, many of the men told her she should step aside and let them run things. But she refused. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and there's a quote from Coretta that said, quote, most thought that women should stay in the shadows. However, I felt that as women, we had much to contribute. In fact, for the longest time, way before I married Martin, I had believed that women should allow our essence and presence to shine rather than letting ourselves be buried or shunted to the sidelines. You! Yes. Yeah, preach. Damn. In, a, in an article, in there's this magazine called New Lady, in 1966, um, there was a quote from her saying, Not enough attention has been focused on the roles played by women in the struggle. Women have been the backbone of the whole civil rights movement. Women have been the ones who have made it possible for the movement to be a mass movement. Um, and when that article was published, apparently, she got a copy of it and she mailed it to Rosa Parks. And she wrote a note that said, To Mrs. Rosa Parks, with love, respect, and deep admiration, Coretta Scott King. <laughs> Solidarity. Um, she also said, I'm, I'm kind of like, I can't help but quote her a million times because I feel like her quotes are just so fucking good. Um, she also said, quote, I am not a ceremonial symbol. I am an activist. I didn't just emerge after Martin died. I was always there and involved. Um, yeah, guiding his thoughts and policies. <laughs> Fuck yeah. 
Michelle Obama. Oh my god, yeah. she looks so Oof. good at inauguration. Michelle looks so good. <laughs> I saw one meme with a lightsaber in her hand, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she fought all the way to the end, and then in August 2005, um, Coretta suffers a stroke, which paralyzes her right side and leaves her unable to speak, and then five months later, um, she dies of respiratory failure, apparently due to complications from ovarian cancer. She was temporarily buried on the grounds of the King Center. She started That was the, the, the civil rights center that she started after Martin died, until she was later interred next to her husband. She was later inducted into the Alabama Women's Hall of Fame, the National Women's Hall of Fame, and she was the first African-American to lie in state at the Georgia State Capitol. Wow. Not the first American, African-American woman, the first African-American. That's impressive. Um, I'm like wrapping this up. I skipped a ton of stuff. There's so much she did. There's so much in the, in the movement that I kind of glossed over. It's probably something every year you could talk about every month i know we could do an episode every incredible yeah. i know she was so politically involved she was friends with john f kennedy she was friends with lyndon b johnson and robert kennedy there was a note in one of my articles that i found that said uh her phone call with john f kennedy in during the 1960 presidential election has been credited by historians for mobilizing african-american voters so like helping to get kennedy elected wow like Damn. shit her funeral was attended Yo. by ten over 10,000 people, including four of the five living U.S. presidents. Jeez. She, oh, my gosh. Give her a movie. Give her a movie. Give her a fucking movie. Um, she is often referred to as the, quote, first lady of the civil rights movement. And uh, my last quote from her, I, I don't know. I had to close with this one. She said, quote, I am made to sound like an attachment to a vacuum cleaner. The wife of Martin, the widow of Martin, all of which I was proud to be. But I was never just a wife, nor a widow. I was always more than a label. Yes! Coretta Scott King. There's not enough time to do as much as she deserves, but that, ladies and gentlemen, is... um, the broads you should know version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go version. go look her up. Do some more research. Read yeah. the read the books about her. She's amazing. Yeah, and and worth knowing. Worth knowing and worth looking up and worth looking up her own articles. You know, she gets passing mentions about Martin and he, even like all the articles of as I was researching her, they're always like Martin, 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 and I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Let's talk about Loretta. <laughs> um, so she's amazing, and abroad, I'm so happy to know. So. Thanks for bringing Coretta. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Thank you to Mrs. Shearer's class for being listeners and for suggesting Coretta. She was such a great broad that we needed to do. Um, If you guys have your own suggestions, listeners, you should submit them to us because we are obsessed with finding new broads. Like we all already have long lists of broads we have to do. But like every time a new one comes into our radar that wasn't on our list already, I think we I think I can speak for all of us when I say, oh, my God, yes, a new broad. Yes. And we all get really excited about it. Um, So give us a like, give us a listen, give us a share. And we will see you back next week for another broad you should know.